All right, well, we put a, a link up there on Facebook for a, a bit. I can't seem to find it now, but I did see it up there before. That we will be just looking at the first 12 verses because the second half of the chapter ties in more with the next chapter and the verses that deal with the river are enough. So tonight we'll be looking at the river of the healing waters that Ezekiel describes that are flowing from the temple. We got some pictures for you. And for those that are on the email list for the outline, you also have the pictures emailed to you. And you can look at them. The order of them is in the outline. And you can follow along so that you're looking at the same pictures that we are. If you are not on the email list and you're listening to this, let me know and we will put you on it. So we want to take a look at what is the significance of these waters. Are they the same as the river that is spoken of in Revelation 22? And there's a lot of things in this verse, these 12 verses, that just don't seem to jump out at you. But I think once we're finished, they will jump out at you a lot more. Last week, we looked at the manner of worship. We asked what would you do if the word of the Lord came to you telling you to do something different from how you normally did it or how it was described in the word. Sometimes we, we looked at some examples where sometimes more was asked of them, sometimes less was asked of them, and sometimes the same thing was asked of them. If you, We didn't bring this up last week, but if you think back to Jesus' teaching, Jesus seemed to take Moses' Moses's teaching and made it harder. He added to it. He said, I don't just say if you commit adultery, I say if you think about it. <laughs> well, that, that would sure uh, up, the, up the ante quite a bit. And he did that on a, on a few other things as well. He seemed to up it. But then he also got on to the thing with the, uh, with the uh, Sabbath. And it seemed that he downgraded the Sabbath. And certainly the Pharisees took it that way. And they didn't like that, that he was uh, doing certain things. And he, he, of course, said, well, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So even in some of the teachings with Jesus, you have him going in different directions with what Moses had put in the law. But that was last week. Let's move on here to Ezekiel 47 and verse 1, that he brought me back to the door of the temple and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east for the front of the temple faced east. The water was flowing from under the right side of the temple, south of the altar. He brought me out by way of the north gate led me around on the outside of the outer gateway that faces east, and there was water running out on the right side. Now it says he brought me back. He was in chapter 46. He was on the kitchens, which are on the four corners, and he was given a tour of those. So he goes from the outskirts of the temple back over here to the east gate, the inner east gate. He said that there was water flowing. If you'll pull up, oh, I didn't bring my uh, pointer up. But if you uh, want to pull up picture number one, we will go over there and give you a, a visual of this so that you can see how this was this was done. This is how it is depicted. I think uh, done very, very well for how it is. Thank you, Keith. So the the way it is described from where it comes, he led me around to the outer gate that faces east, and there was water running out on the right side. So it comes down over this way. It says on the south side later on. And so it comes just just to the south of the gate and it begins to run over in here. And on this particular one, they have it uh, getting bigger as it goes goes out, which is in line with some of the other things that are said. The King James Version reads it this way. Water issued out from under. When I read the New King, King, the New King James Version, and saw the water was flowing from under the right side, my attention was drawn to the word was, because I know from the book of Genesis that word was can mean either became or, um, uh, or uh, had either, in Genesis we look at it as became. It wasn't that way, so it either was or became. And so I looked that one up, but that is not the case. It was not the same word. The same word is used in Genesis, but it is not used in that particular time. So the way that the King James ushers it in here is actually a little more true to what I can tell from the Hebrew. Water issued out from under is what it is said. So here's the question I have. Was the water there before or did it suddenly appear? Because we have the description of the temple before. Was there any description of water in Ezekiel's uh, as he as he described all the things, and he gave a lot of detail to it, but we had no description of any water coming out from the temple. 
But now all of a sudden, he sees water. In verse 1, then he brought me back to the door of the temple. So he was taken away from that door and then he was brought back to it. And it says, he brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around to the outside to the outer gateway that faces east and there was water running out from the right side. If you can pull our picture back up again, let me show you uh, just this part. So he was up over this way by the north gate and it brought him out around here. And then he sees the he sees the gate, or the, I'm sorry, the water that was there. Now, it would seem to me that it's more likely that this just appeared, this water just be, just appeared. And he is seeing it actually as it is beginning its journey to the sea. So, the water was, and as far as I can read, and I've read this thing over and over and over trying to, to get the picture of it, this water was not there when he first came upon the scene. And when he is led back around over here, he sees the water begin to come on out and begin to flow down into, into here. He sees the beginning of this. It was not there before. It is there now. And the um, angel brings him over here to, for him to see it. It says it's on the outside of the outer gate that faces east and there was water running out on the right side. This, of course, is the east gate. The water is running eastwardly. It is going out towards the Dead Sea. This, this particular uh, water flows in one direction from the temple towards the east. In verse 3, And when the men went out to the east with the line in his hand, he measured 1,000 cubits, and he brought me through the waters, and the waters came up to my ankles. Again he measured 1,000 and brought me through the waters, and the waters came up to my knees. Again he measured 1,000 and brought me through, and the water came up to my waist. Again he measured 1,000, and it was a river that I could not cross, for the water was too deep, water in which one must swim, a river that could not be crossed. If you go to our second picture, it starts out small from the temple, and it begins to become bigger as we, as we go on out. 1,000 cubits out in this area, we are about an ankle deep. If we go another... Uh, 1,000 cubits, this area here be about knee deep. 3,000, this is where we're going to be coming up to about hip deep. And here it's going to be uh, too deep. Now this is not too deep to cross, it's too deep to cross on foot. He's talking about walking through it. He's talking about being able to, to walk through this. Uh, there's a lot of focus on this in all the years I've ever heard Ezekiel taught on the fact that this river could not be crossed. I don't think what he is saying is that this is an uncrossable river. If you look at what he says here. Again, he measured 1,000 and it was a river that I could not cross for the water was too deep. Water in which one must swim, a river that could not be crossed. Can you cross a river that is deeper than you can stand? Absolutely. You can do exactly what Ezekiel said. One must swim. But a lot of focus is on the fact that it's uncrossable and they try and bring a, a, a relation into the spirit realm and that the spirit realm is so deep that we cannot cross it. We can, uh, you know, get caught up in it and, I don't know, drown or hazards or, or so forth. But the idea here is he is wading out in this. It starts out very small. It's only ankle deep, and then it just begins to get deeper and deeper as we go on. Now here they, they make the trees become more abundant as the water gets deeper. Nothing wrong with that. It might be the way that it is, might not be the way that it is, but we know that the trees are, are coming into play here in a little while. So it goes ankle deep, knee deep, and a lot of times we're focusing on how deep the water is. I think we've lost sight of what was trying to be, be taught here. I don't see that he's trying to say that the water can't be crossed. It's simply saying that the water is getting deeper. So, I began to think about this as far as rivers goes. How does a river start out a trickle, which is what most rivers start out as. They start out as a trickle. And then they grow into to big, big ones. The mighty Mississippi is not a mighty Mississippi if you get farther, far enough north to see how small it was. The great Ohio River is not a great Ohio River where you see where it starts. And even the great Colorado River is not a great Colorado River if you see where it starts at. 
they start out small and they get bigger as they go down towards the sea. How is it that a river normally gets bigger? Water comes in. It has tributaries. Other creeks and uh, small rivers feed into the river, making it into a bigger river. And yet, here's the thing with this one. There is no mention of anything feeding this river. And yet, the river grows. I think we've lost sight of, of what was important here. What he's showing you is he waited him out. It came out as a trickle out of the temple. And a thousand cubits away from the temple, it was ankle deep. Another thousand cubits, it was knee deep. Another thousand cubits, it was up to his waist. Another thousand cubits, it was over his head. And I guess we can assume from that that it keeps getting bigger and deeper as it, as it would go on. But nothing is said to add to its volume. So how is it that this water grows in its volume without anything else feeding it? That's where I think we have the, the focus should be, is that this river is growing and yet nothing is feeding it. This is what you would call living water. And it comes out of the temple. So this river seems to break the normal pattern of rivers. I wrote this down in my outline to make sure I tell you, but you can write it down in yours or just whatever. Uh, don't underestimate what the river of life can do for you. Because though it may come into your life as a trickle, it will grow in its abundance and keep growing and keep getting bigger. Now, when we look at, at him, he's saying this river is uncrossable. What makes a river uncrossable? It's certainly not the depth of the river. Because no matter what, you can still swim across a river no matter how deep it is. If a river is 10 foot deep and you can't touch the bottom, you still got to swim. If it's 50 foot deep, well, you still got to swim. If you can't swim, you're going to be in trouble in 10 foot of water as much as you're going to be in trouble in 50 foot of water. It really makes no difference how deep the water is. If you can't touch, you need to be able to float or to swim or to do something along those lines. But what would make a river uncrossable is, is a violent current. If you have a, a, a very terrible current, you would not be able to cross it. But if the river had a terrible current, you couldn't cross it if you could walk across it. Have you ever seen a river that had a terribly strong current, but it wasn't deep enough that you couldn't you couldn't touch, it's still dangerous to get in there, isn't it? If you have a, a creek or a river that's normally shallow and a big rainstorm raises that up uh, even just three feet, that river can become extremely dangerous, even though it's not deep enough that, it, that you could, could not touch. But the current has increased to a, to a level that it could take you under and hold you down in there. And this, is, this has happened for, for some people. Well, there's nothing mentioned in here that this river is vicious in any way or has any kind of a crazy current. All that is ever talked about with this river is its healing powers. So it seemed to be that the river is calm and very crossable if you're willing to, to swim across it. But he goes on here, verse 6. He said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? Then he brought me and returned me to the bank of the river. And when I returned there along the bank of the river were very many trees on one side and the other. So he says to me, Have you seen this? Why ask the question, Have you seen this? Now he brought him to a place. Then he brought me and returned me to the bank of the river. If someone brings you to a place that you describe as returning to that place, would that not mean you've been there before? And probably he was there when he was going through and walking through the first thousand cubits and then the second thousand cubits and then the third thousand cubits. And he's probably there along the bank of the river. It would seem, have you seen this? When I returned there along the bank of the river were very many trees on one side and the other. 
reading over this, it would seem that the trees were not there. And now they are. Have you seen this? And he brings them back over here to the beginning of the river. So he sees the beginning of this river and this river begins to flow and he sees the depth of it begin to increase. And then he brings them back to the point along the river and he says, have you seen this? And now all of a sudden he sees all these trees. Now here's something. We pointed this out all along the way of this vision. We now have seen the temple, the gates. We've discussed the prince. We've now seen a river that is flowing out from there. And now we have seen trees. What is still lacking? There are still no people. There are no people in the river. There are no people among the trees. There are no people going in and out of the gates. It's discussed about them coming in and out of the gates, but they aren't there. But now we got a river, and now we got trees. Now this is a place he had been before. So probably the trees, like the river, was not there initially. But they came up, seems like those trees came up pretty quick. Usually we're used to trees taking a little bit of time to grow. Now it seems that Ezekiel is seeing all this come together in the absence of people. I would think in the time that this water could grow into the river and the trees could grow from the water that there would be some people walking along. But still we don't see them. Then he said to me in verse 8, This water flows toward the eastern region, goes down into the valley, and enters the sea. When it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. This is, of course, the Dead Sea. This is the Dead Sea that is, uh, of course, it's, it's done that way for it's dead. Now, I've got some pictures here of the Dead Sea. Go ahead to picture number three. If you're on uh, Facebook and you have the ones I emailed you, it's picture number three we're at. This is uh, the Dead Sea. This is some of the salt, some of the minerals that uh, build up there. And this is what it looks like in, in some of the spots. You can see all the uh, all the salt that builds up in there and what happens with this is that water from the, um, oh, the sea, uh, the, the sea of Galilee, that comes down there. It, uh, it it floods into here, and all the minerals and all the salt content will flow in, but it doesn't evaporate. It stays stays behind, and so the water leaves, but the the salt stays back. Go ahead to our second picture, or yeah, our next picture. This is what it looks like here. You can see some of the salt build up along the, the shores. Not quite as much as it was over there. I think this is a little bit further north in the Dead Sea, but it, it all looks, I mean, the water looks pretty nice. Doesn't look, uh, doesn't look bad at all. Go on to our next picture. If they told you that you can float in the Dead Sea, this is, they're not kidding. This is, uh, people floating. Obviously, they're putting no effort into floating. They are just sitting there reading newspapers and stuff like that. You can just, Get on in there and just float. Even if you don't know how to float, you can just go because the water is so dense in, in that way. Uh, go into our next picture. Now this is the uh, the layout of the land here. This is the Medi- Mediterranean Sea, and this is the Dead Sea. It is quite significantly lower, and it is the lowest uh, body of water in the, I believe in the world. Uh, as far as how far it is under the, the sea. I forget, let's see, this one says the bottom of the Dead Sea is 2,680 feet. I believe that's below uh, sea level. The top is, um, the level of the Dead Sea is 1,302 feet, and I believe that is 1,302 feet below sea level. So sea level would be the normal level that everything would level out to if it, uh, if it was connected. So all the oceans are connected, and so they all kind of self-level out. But this one does not. This one has no place for the water to go. There's no place for the, for the water to flow out from. So everything in there has died because of the salt content. But I did find this out. There are certain species of animals and even some plants that only survive there. I think one was a hog, a couple of birds that are there. That somehow the mineral content, the salt content, uh, they need that. And so there's actually a, a movement over in Jerusalem 
to do some things to preserve this because the water level in the Dead Sea has been, been rising and some of the marshes are uh, not uh, being marshes anymore. And so they uh, loosen some of their salt content. The city of Jericho is right there. If that helps for, uh, for placement here. Now you can look at the mountains that are over here. And Jerusalem is up over this way. Go ahead up to our next one. Here's the Mediterranean Sea. Jerusalem is there on top of the mountain. You're going to have the, uh, the water flow from the temple area, which is going to be somewhere. It's going to be near Jerusalem if it's not in Jerusalem. Uh, go back one to our other, our other uh, one. The water is said to flow down into the valley. So where it's going to flow down is down into this area. It does not say it goes into the river. It says it goes into the Dead Sea. So however it, it finds its way through here, it's going to find its way right into the Dead Sea. And that's where it's going to go. Is that the last of the pictures? Yes. Okay. Then we have everything. Go ahead, go ahead to our next picture. The, pull that back up again. Just make sure I got everything I wanted you to see from there. So there is the level of the water in the Dead Sea. And there is the sea level. So all this is area that can hold water, but is not having any water because it is uh, because of the, the way that all that is made up and the way that it is dying. It is probably one of the most famous seas that's out there. Everybody seems to know about the Dead Sea and, and things that are there. And if you ever go over to the area, probably want to take a spin over there and, and check out the waters. There are some of the um, marshes and some of the uh, places over there that people do for mineral baths and uh, you can hear there's some mud baths that people like to get into with, with that because it's uh, mud and minerals and all sorts of stuff like that. So anyone who's into that sort of stuff can, can handle them out. I did see in some of the looking around for pictures, I saw people with the mud plastered all over them, except for their eyes. They just had their eyes out there, mud all over everything else. So if you um, are into having those kind of uh, minerals all over you, some people have felt that they've had some healing properties into their, into their body. Verse, uh, let's go back to verse 8. This water flows towards the eastern region, goes down into the valley, and enters the sea. So it's going to go down that valley and enter into the Dead Sea. When it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. Now keep that in mind. And it shall be that every living thing that moves, whether the river, wherever the river Wherever the rivers go, will live. Every living thing that moves, wherever the rivers go, will live. So this river uh, that comes out will bring life to wherever it touches and wherever it goes. There will be a very great multitude of fish because these waters go there, for they will be healed. So right now there are no fish in that sea. Big area of water. You saw how big the area of water was, but no fishermen there because there's no fish to catch. They can't survive in, in that. Fish have actually a very small area of uh, uh, salinity that they can operate in. And if you have, uh, I've kept one, a uh, reef tank. Uh, Brother Les has kept a reef tank. A few other people I know have, have kept them. And you know you have to have very, ac very accurate on your uh, salinity. Because if you're off by too much, you will kill the fish. And we're not, we're not looking at, uh, you're looking at uh, a fraction of a thousandth. So we're, we're generally shooting for something of uh, 1.027 on salinity. If you get up into the 1.03s too much, they're dead. If you get too far below the one point, I don't know what the bottom is. I know you can get down to um, a, a little bit lower than 127. Mine's one. 1.027 because I have a reef tank and fish tank. The fish can actually survive in lower water uh, salinity, but the um, corals and the mushrooms and things like that, they need, uh, they need a little bit higher. So we do a 1.027. We shoot for that because that's kind of a, a, a good mix for it. But you have to have something that's accurate. People have wiped out their tank because the thing they're using to measure the salt content is not accurate. And so some of the things that they use, uh, it's, 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 um, Actually putting them, the water underneath a microscope and um, uh, measuring it that way. It's, uh, they have some very accurate uh, things out there and they have some real cheap ones too. But the fish can survive in stuff that is lower, but if you get too low, they will die. 
and you have to be real careful with, with what you do with that. So when you're looking at this salinity, and I don't know what the salinity uh, rating is. I should have looked that one up. I probably could have looked it up and found it. But it is considerably higher than that, so nothing uh, survives inside that water. So there's no fish there. Well, when this water hits it, it says these waters will be healed and everything will live wherever the river goes. It shall be that fishermen will stand by, will stand by it from Engedi to Engleum. They will be places for spreading their nets. Their fish will be of the same kinds as the fish of the great sea, exceedingly many. Now, here's something that's interesting. How did the fish get from the great sea to the Dead Sea? So they have to either have some way that they can swim around there and, and get on in, but it's, it's, it's saying you're going to have the same fish here that you have there. Not all fish are in all areas. Some, some are unique to, to certain bodies of water. And so you have to, um, to know what you, what you want in particular. Just in the freshwater area, some rivers have uh, trout, some rivers may not have trout. And some uh, lakes may have some bass, and some lakes may not have some bass. But it just depends on where you, where you go in particular. And then some of those lakes and things are stocked with fish. That's the only reason that they, they have them. They stock them with, with fish. And so you go to a place where you can find the things that you want. So it would be one, three, four, zero. So his reading on the scale would be 1.334 instead of 1.027. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 34%, I think it would be 1.3437, something in that area. So that is, that is considerably over, <laughs> over on that. Um, so thanks for, thanks for looking that up. But these fish will be in there and they will be in abundance. Now it's amazing that, that you can go from a place of being dead and not having any at all to having an abundance of them to not only having an abundance but having an abundance where the, the fishermen can come and fish because if there was only a few and they fished them all out of there then they would all be, uh, it would be a, a dead place again. So it shall be the fishermen will stand by it from and get I and, and, and them and they will be places for the spreading of their nets their fish will be of the same kinds as the fish of the great sea, exceedingly many. So we're looking at net fishing, which is going to capture a whole lot more than just dropping a rod and reel. Rod and reel will catch you one at a time. Net will catch you a lot more than that. The uh, verse 11, But its swamps and marshes will not be healed. They will be given over to salt. Now this is, this is unique. Um, if you can pull back up the... F- Picture number six. I think that will do it for us. The, the marshes, of course, these are areas that are on the outside of the Dead Sea. And only a little bit of this water leaches in there. And that's why they're called the, the marshes and so forth. If you are looking to heal this in a normal way, the normal way to heal the Dead Sea is to have so much water come in here to cause the salinity to be the, the, what it needs to be, the 1.027 or even a 1.024 would, would work out if you're just looking at fish life. Which would just be an abundance of water to come on in. If you just heal this with an abundance of water, you would have to put so much water into this that the marshes would be flooded. So what this verse tells you is it's swamps and marshes will not be healed. They will be given over to salt. So the water that flows down here has a healing property that is able to neutralize the salinity without raising the water level. So you're not going to have so much water coming in that the water level is raised in an inordinate amount, but they're still going to be healed. That you have to get from here, but as swamps and marshes will not be healed, because if the water level was raised up to this level, all the, all the marshes are now part of the Dead Sea. And um, they, they wouldn't be there anymore. So the water that's coming in 
is uh, even though it, it gets it's growing and growing and growing, it apparently doesn't fill this place up. That's not its intention. So its swamps and marshes will not be healed. They will be given over to salt along the bank of the river on this side, and that will grow all kinds of trees used for food. Their leaves will not wither, and their fruit will not fail. They will bear fruit every month because their water flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food, and their leaves for medicine. So not only is this water healing the Dead Sea, it is doing something with the trees to change some things with the trees. So now the trees are going to have fruit every month. Now there's an abundance of trees here. It would seem that certain trees are going to give fruit one month and certain other trees are going to give fruit on another month and certain other trees are going to give fruit on a different month. That's what would seem from here because of the abundance of trees that is there. They will, they will bear fruit every month because their water flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be food and their leaves for medicine. So the, the water, when it hits these trees, these trees grow, and then the leaves that come from it, they can take the leaves off of these trees and use them for some kind of medicine. Now, when are people going to need medicine? So that kind of tells you some of the things for the time frame of it. But these waters are able to heal whatever it touches. But there are some places that are not going to be touched by the waters. And this, the uh, marshes are some of those places. Now this can mean that it is possible not to be touched by the healing waters. In the same way, as God has sent out His healing power, it is possible for people not to be touched by it. That if you have a hard heart, you can keep yourself away from the healing power that God would send. And it would not touch you. And therefore, it would not have an effect upon you. Now, First, the first question we have for you, is this river, the Revelation, the, the same river as in Revelation 22? Because Revelation 22 speaks of a river with a tree, with trees that have healing properties and bear fruit 12 months out of the year. So we're going to do some comparing here. But I thought first off you might like to take a little bit of a comparison between Ezekiel and John. John, of course, is the one who wrote the book of Revelation, where we have the other river. And Ezekiel is the one who wrote this one. Uh, Ezekiel was exiled in Babylon. John was exiled on the island of Patmos. They both speak of the sound of rushing waters. In Revelation, the voice of Jesus speaking to John is like the sound of rushing waters. He describes it as such. In Ezekiel, the wings of the creatures moving the Almighty's chariot make a sound like the roar of rushing waters. So we see a similarity that is there. Uh, one seated upon a throne like to precious stones and the appearance of a rainbow. In Revelation, John saw a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. The one who sat there had a brilliant appearance of jasper and uh, used the, the term carnelian, a rainbow resembling an emerald encircled the throne. Ezekiel saw what looked like a throne of sapphire and high above on the throne was a figure like that of a man, brilliant light surrounded him. The radiance was like the appearance of a rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day. We saw the description of lightning and thunder and storm clouds from the throne. Revelation has flashes of lightning and rumbling thunder. It came from the front throne. In Ezekiel, the whole vision is surrounded by a windstorm and an immense cloud with flashing lightning. The fiery creatures pro propelled the Lord's chariot and also have lightning flashing out of the fire that moves among them. Both describe a sea of glass. In Revelation, the sea of glass, clear as crystal, is before the throne. In Ezekiel, spread above the heads of the creatures, under the Almighty is an expanse sparkling like ice and awesome. This would seem to be the sky which spreads out over the world beneath the Lord's feet. Both have the four living creatures, a vision that involves the four living creatures both in Revelation and in Ezekiel. Ezekiel, of course, this is how he started out his, his book. There is the eating of the scroll or the little book. Both do this. Both see the glory of the Lord. John describes seeing the glory of the Lord. Ezekiel describes seeing the glory of the Lord on several occasions. 
Both are carried off to a high mountain and watch or take measurements. And both see a river of life and healing. Now John's river proceeds from the throne of God with the tree of life on either side which would bear twelve fruits each yielding its fruit every month. Leaves of the tree for the healing of nations. Ezekiel's river comes from the temple. The temple is a different place than the throne of God. When the river of John's is described, we are told that there is no temple. But in Ezekiel we have a temple for which the river flows from. Now there are things here that are hidden from sight. There are things that seemed that uh, came up as they as they were going. The people seemed, if they're there, they are hidden from Ezekiel's sight. He doesn't see them. If the river was there before, he didn't see it. If the trees were there before, he didn't see them. But they came to be, or he saw them as they uh, as they started. However, that was. But all through this, he still is not able to see any of the people that you would assume would be around there. And certainly people that probably would have built the, the thing. But I went through the Word and just wrote down some things, other things that might be hidden from sight. Remember when the announcement was made to the shepherds about the birth of Jesus, there was an angel who came and made the announcement. And then the Word of God says in Luke that suddenly there was a host. Were was the one angel who brought the message, was he alone? Or was the host of angels with him and just not seen? Did they just suddenly appear, make the trip and come on out? Or were they there all the time and were not seen? Jesus passed through the crowd, the crowd that was looking to push him over the cliff. How does he pass through a cloud that's looking to push him over a cliff? Because suddenly, they couldn't see him. Certain disciples didn't recognize Jesus on the road to Damascus. Even though they were, they were not the twelve, but they were some of his disciples and they knew him, but they didn't recognize him. They even sat down to eat. Not until then did, did, uh, did they realize it was Jesus and then he was gone. Those with Paul on the road to Damascus didn't have the same experience that Paul did. Paul describes this later on in the book of Acts. I believe it's chapter 22 when he describes it to the crowd and he tells them of his experience out there. He said, there were people that were with me. They saw the light, but they didn't hear the voice. Even though Paul, they're right there with Paul and Paul hears the voice. He hears the words. Elisha's servant was in the city with Elisha and didn't see the angels that were surrounding the city. He just saw the army. So Elisha says, Lord, open his eyes. Those angels apparently were there all the time. He just didn't see them. Daniel didn't see the timing set up by Jeremiah about the 70 years. But then all of a sudden, he saw it. This is a man who is diligently seeking the Scriptures. You remember the question that was with Elijah and Elisha? And Elisha asked for the double portion. And Elijah said, If you see me when I am taken, then this will be granted to you. Well, was the question if Elijah would be allowed to see or if he would be there to see? A lot of times we're looking at presence. He, he kept focusing on the presence. I gotta be there. Well, of course he had to be there. But is Elisha's, or Elijah's question, if you see me, is it more about him maybe not being able to see how he goes? Going to the next one, when Enoch was taken, was someone there to see, but didn't see how he went, just saw that all of a sudden he was gone? Because the Word of God says He was and then He was not. It doesn't describe any chariot. It doesn't describe any angel. 
doesn't describe any any supernatural way. It just seems like one time he was there and then he was gone. So if Elijah is taken in the same way and Elisha doesn't see how he is taken, then maybe that's what Elijah is referring to. There is much more going on around us than we are aware of. God has shown a willingness to show it to people that will put themselves in a position to see it. We have before our eyes or we have been we have put before our eyes there are certain certain things, certain truths that he would reveal to us. They're there, they're in front of us. But our eyes need to be open for us to see it. There is many there is much truth, there is much that's going on in the realm of the spirit. But we're not always in a position to see it. We're not seeking after it. We're not pursuing it. Our eyes have been blinded because of other things. We talked about veils in the last couple of Sundays. Sometimes there can be a veil over our eyes that prevents us from even even seeing those things or being in a place to, to see them. I wrote in your outline here one more thing. You can write down as much of this as you want to. If no one else ever sees what Ezekiel puts forth here, does it mean that what he describes never existed? Is it possible that Ezekiel sees something and even if it never materializes, even if it never shows up, it may not mean that Ezekiel was wrong. Remember, there are no people. People's actions are described, but we never see them. This is one of the most unique visions in the, in the Word because this is the only one I can think of where the people are absent. John's vision, he saw people. He saw people that were affected. He saw people died. He saw people take the mark. He saw people that were martyred. He saw the people. Ezekiel in every other vision has seen the people. Jeremiah saw people in his visions. Daniel saw people in his visions. But this particular vision is the only one that I can think of in which the people are absent. They're referred to, they're described, what they will do. And the places are there for them. We have the places for the priests to live. We have the places for uh, certain of the Levites to live and the ones who take care of the, of the uh, uh, sacrifices. We have the places where they're cooking the things and how they're going to go about doing this. But we still never see the people. There can certainly be a reality of certain people seeing things in their spirit realm that most will never see or understand, but they are still true. I raise the question, should they all be shared? I don't think they quite should all be shared. Uh, some things, they need to be revealed to the people. And I think over the course of history, some people have had some things revealed to them, but didn't know what to say or how to handle what was revealed. And probably said some things that they weren't supposed to or that couldn't be understood. But just as with Ezekiel here, with this river, there's a lot more going on than seems to meet the eye. And he's walking around this temple and there's no river and then all of a sudden there seems to be a river. You're walking around the river and it doesn't seem to be any trees and then all of a sudden there are trees. There are some truths that are all around us. There are some things happening in the realm of the Spirit. But we need to be the ones that pursue to see these things. Ezekiel seemed to be someone who pursued God to see this. And God showed it to him. And it's a very puzzling thing for us. We, we aren't quite sure how to, how to put this in. Sometimes it looks like it ought to go in in the tribulation period and 
Sometimes it looks like it ought to go into millennial period, but then, no, it can't go into millennial period because this is going on. Well, it can't really go into tribulation period because this is going on. We're just back and forth on the, on the thing, what's, what's going on. But it is very clear to Ezekiel. He sees it as clear as day. He just describes exactly what he sees. And when he sees something pop up, even though he doesn't understand why it's there or what it is, he just declares it. He just writes it down. I wonder how people respond to truths that they don't understand. I think God watches that. How do they respond to truths that they don't understand? And if you want a New Testament example of this, just go over to the teaching that Jesus did when at the height of his popularity and he taught the people, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you will have no part with me. Yeah, that's what they said. It's a hard saying. And many people left him and he turned to his disciples. Do you want to leave me too? Who else has the words of life? They understood. We don't understand what you're teaching. But we know that you have the words of life. And we are prepared to stick with you so that we can get it. Boy, that's someone who has discovered the truth and is not going to be swayed from it. That's where we need to get in our walk. That when God can speak some things to us that are beyond our understanding, it doesn't throw us in our walk. It doesn't throw us in how we deal with people. No, we stay right there with Him. We stay right there doing what God wants us to do. Because He has the words of life. God, I don't understand exactly how this is going to come about. I see some things in Your Word and I don't understand how this fits with everything else that I know but I'm willing to stick with you until I figure it out. That's the kind of stick to we need to have. We need to hang on to the things of God. And even though I don't understand this river, I don't understand this temple, I don't see exactly where this fits, I don't have that clear understanding, that's okay. Because people didn't have a clear understanding of what Ezekiel said about all those other prophecies before they actually happened. People didn't have understanding of what Daniel prophesied until he saw some of the things happen. And even to this day, we don't understand everything that John wrote in his prophecy of the, old, the end times. But we learn it, and we say, Father God, I know that when it comes about, we will have the understanding. And of course, if we're not here on the earth, but all that happens, that's all right, we'll have understanding on it anyway. <laughs> even, even more so. But here in this river, it is certainly something that we can see there is more to it than is going on. How does a river grow without anything feeding it? That's the kind of water that comes from comes from the Father. Remember Jesus was teaching about if you knew who it is to ask you for water? You'd ask him for the water of life. And you'd never thirst again because the water actually has the ability to grow without anything else feeding it. That's some kind of water. It would seem to me Jesus had something in mind here of what Ezekiel has seen. But God will take us as far as we'll let him. Sometimes we may get to a place in our walk and say, Father, it's too much revelation. I don't understand. And we can just kind of turn it off. And God will turn it off. He said, that's fine. That's too much for you. But then he finds people like Ezekiel. He finds people like Daniel. And Daniel, I, I, I don't get this, but I want to. And he pursued it with everything he had until the, the Lord said to the angel, make him understand. Oh, I want to be one of those that gets made to be understood. Because there is far more of God than we have tapped into. And that water that is there continues to grow. It has the power to heal whatever it touches. Not just the Dead Sea. 
but whatever it touches, it has the power to heal. Father, I thank you that you work to continually give us more and more revelation, to grow us in our understanding of your word, to grow us in the things of God. I thank you that we will not be satisfied. We will continue to pursue the depth of God and the knowledge of God. And you will grow us in revelation. Along the way, we're going to be handed some things that will be perplexing to us. We won't understand. And some people along the years, when they have hit that point, have settled for a lower understanding. And it's cut them off from receiving any more because it took them in a wrong direction. But Father, we want to continue to receive revelation and knowledge from you. Just as Paul told us to pray in the great Ephesians prayers, prayer in Colossians, how we can grow in the knowledge of God. How that understanding can be ours. I thank you that you grow us in these things. That we look forward to the day when we receive understand or receive knowledge of something without the understanding. Because we will pursue the understanding that comes from your spirit. Not one that comes from our head, not one that is of a lesser lesser level. Father, we'll pursue what you want us to have. And I thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Any comments, questions, anything to add? You got to be quiet on this part of Ezekiel. Not getting too many questions or comments or much that way, but all right. Well, we're nearing the end. I'm not sure if we'll cover it all next week or um, if it's over over two weeks. But then, like I said, we're probably going to spend one week just on the looking at the overall thing and going back over all the things that he had, he had taught. But next week we'll pick up here with the uh, some other divisions of the land, some other things about the borders that will be coming up, and uh, may combine the rest of this chapter with the next chapter, but uh, we'll figure that out as we're going along here. All right.